the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome back to Cash Landing, uh, the show where we fall ass backwards in the money and you get richer just by listening. I, as always, am your host, Ben, joined by my highly esteemed co-host, Aaron, and we are back after a long hiatus. Aaron, how are you, uh, how are you feeling right now? I am uh, feeling pretty good. It feels good to be back. It does feel like it's been a very long time. We've both been very busy. Uh, a lot has changed, but Ben, when we're talking about change, um, next Thursday, our lives are changing. They will not be the same for the rest of the year because uh, next Thursday, we've got opening day baseball. It's true. Next Thursday, baseball is starting up. Uh, I don't think it was a very well-kept secret that baseball is sort of uh, me and Aaron's favorite sport. Uh, we really enjoy doing the DFS stuff and the gambling stuff over all sports, but I think we both consider ourselves baseball sharps. And so here we are back. Uh, we joined up with the Apollo Hue podcast network. We were always a part of it, but now it's just a much bigger thing. To the um, moon, some would say. Yeah, to the moon. Um, and so now we are going to be doing an AL West, AL West, just an American League preview in its totality for you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with the AL East, then move on to the Central, then do the West, and then do some uh, some nice futures bets. So uh, I don't want to waste a whole lot of time. We can just go ahead and get into it unless you got something else you need to say. I'm pretty much ready to go. We're going to go team by team. We're going to give you the over-unders for win totals from Bavada, and we are going to break it down for you and give the winners and losers for uh, every single team. And as usual, we are guaranteeing uh, 15-0. All these picks will be correct, uh, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure about that one, but... We are sharper than your average bear, and so uh, we think that this is just going to be a good time. So we're going to go ahead and start off with the AL East. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to start with the New York Yankees, because when you think AL East, that's exactly what you think of. Aaron, you want to run through their uh, their team total and, and just your initial uh, reactions on that one? New York Yankees, yeah, we do have to start with the evil empire. It only sounds fitting. Uh, it was another injury-riddled year for the Yankees last year, but this offseason they added uh, Corey Kluber, Jameson Ty onto the rotation. They added Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson to the bullpen, but they did lose some bullpen pieces. Uh, they lost Zach Britton, Adam Adovino, and they lost a couple members of that rotation. Uh, James Paxton, he's back in Seattle, and Masahiro Tanaka, he is uh, no longer with the New York Yankees. Ben, this total is sitting at 96.5, which is pretty high. It's not as high as it has been in the past. I think Vegas is starting to factor in the injuries a little bit more. But when we're looking at 96 and a half specifically, I'm going to start off this podcast by taking the over on the Yankees. I do think they're the best team in the American League. There's been a lot of turnover in this rotation, but I think overall you put Tyon in there, you put Corey Kluber in there, Domingo Herman will be back. Luis Severino might be back at some point, even though we end up saying that every year. I think the rotation will be pretty much just as good as it was before. The bullpen might be down just a tick, but it's still not a bad bullpen at all. And at the end of the day, Ben, I think they're just going to have a lot of runs to play to play with. They've got three different guys, but I would not be surprised if they lead the league in home runs this year with uh, Judge, Stan, and Boyd. We do know they could get hurt at any point, but look, this lineup is deep. We already know that. If they're in it, which they will be, they're going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. They'll either help the rotation or they'll help the bullpen. This feels like a 100-win team to me. I'm going to take the over. Uh, what do you think about the Yankees this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I would be shocked if this team won 95 games because that just, I mean, that feels like this, the very low end. Um, there would need to be a lot of injuries to win 95 games. And even if there are, I mean, we've seen them overcome it. We saw them overcome the injuries in 2019 and still win 103 games. And 
you know, that team just didn't have much of its star power on the field for a lot of the season. But, um, you know, you add a, a bunch of injury-prone starting pitchers with Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyon, Luis Severino coming back. The odds that all three of them go down are, are you know, not great. Like, I, I think that Jamison Tyon probably survives the entirety of the season. Maybe Corey Kluber doesn't, but I don't think that all three of them go down. They have Davey Garcia waiting in the wings. They have Clark Schmidt. They have Michael King. They have serviceable sort of fifth starter guys that they can call up. And, I mean, you you said it. You hit the nail on the head. The, the offense is just going to be nuts. Um, it, it, it has been for the last two years, and that's not going to change this year. Uh, and that's even with – I mean, Giancarlo Stan has barely, barely played any games the last two years. I mean, he, he can't just – at some point, he's going to play 100 games. It's not like he was like super injury-prone with Miami or anything. Yeah, the Yankees fans would uh, certainly like to believe so. And then don't get me wrong, the, the health of the pitching is certainly important, but we are back in a normal 162-game season, meaning every single team is going to deal with injuries to a certain extent. And when you look at a 162-game season, I think the length of the season, just the really good offense will come through over the course of the long season. You'll get teams that are out of it, they'll start bringing up their bad arms. Teams will get hurt. And when other teams get hurt in their rotations, I mean, it's just going to be the Yankees offense that's going to be feasting. I think the offense will just carry them to 100 wins. So, yeah, it seems like we're definitely uh, in agreement here. you have anything else uh, you want to say about, about the pinstripes? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little bit of a Gary Sanchez resurgence, some like 30 home runs again. Um, I, I just, you know, he had a rough 2020, but there were so many guys who had a rough 2020s. It's hard to it's hard to write off Gary Sanchez just because of that. Yeah. I mean, when you just look at the lineup top to bottom, you can make like the case for four guys to win MVP. If you throw in DJ LeMahieu with the three guys I mentioned earlier, Clint Frazier's finally going to be free in the outfield. He's got a lot to prove and they've still got the veterans of Aaron Hicks and, you know, the corpse of bald headed Brett Gardner. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we have much else to say about the Yankees. We agree too much on them. So we can go ahead and move on to the, uh, to the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays uh, total is set at 86 and a half, which I believe is actually, is that lower than last year? Uh, it definitely has to be lower than last year, given the 60 game season. So <laughs> the over 86 and a half would have been tough, but I mean, I feel like it just has to be lower than last year. I mean, mainly because uh, let's not bury the lead here. They did lose Blake Snell and Charlie Morton among some other bullpen pieces uh, with Alvarado and Aaron Loop. They added Michael Walker, Rich Hill, Colin McHugh. Um, ben, I'm going to let you go ahead and give me your take on the Rays, who just by the hair on their head kept the your Astros out of the World Series last year. You just had to remind me of that, huh? You just had to throw that one in there. No, we'll get to the Astros later. We got a, I got a lot of nice things to say about the Astros. The uh, Yeah, I mean, the Rays are just, you know, every year I look at this roster and I go, oh, there's not that many guys on there. But at this point, I've learned that the Tampa Bay Rays, you can almost pencil them in for, for 90 wins. They're just going to scratch and claw and platoon their way to, to 90 wins and go lefty-righty, righty-lefty, like in the lineup as well as in the bullpen. Um, I definitely believe in this in this Michael Walker resurgence. We saw him at the end of 2020 start to figure a lot of things out. Started throwing harder. He's throwing like 95 in spring training so far this year. Um, so I mean, when the Rays sign somebody for three and a half million dollars on a one year deal, I'm just like, okay, this guy's probably there's probably something there. Um, Colin McHugh is going to be solid reliever. They traded for Francisco Mejia as well, the catcher. I think he's going to sort of complement Mike Zunino really well back there because he's sort of a bat first catcher with good con contact skills. I think they can use that more than anything. 
The Tampa Bay Rays just have an endless stream of 15 arms that are going to come up from AAA like they always do. They have three top prospects that are all ready, Brennan McKay, Brent Honeywell, and Shane Baz. Um, they're just, you know, I mean, they lost Snell and Morton, and that's that's a lot, obviously, but they're just going to keep bullpenning games. They're going to keep bringing up pitchers you've never heard of to throw seven scoreless. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough is a real innings eater. Tyler Glass now could always take a step forward. I just This is definitely a 70-win team, even after getting rid of those two top starters, which is impressive, but it's also, this is Rays baseball, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You said 70-win. I think you meant 90-win team there with the 86.5 total. So, Ben, I'm going to agree with you here on the over. The bullpen is just going to be really good. You talked about it. They still got Nick Anderson. They still got Diego Castillo and a lot of other high-quality arms in that bullpen. Um, this rotation with the bullpen like that, you don't need guys to go seven and eight innings. And when you have guys in your rotation, like Ryan Yarbrough, like Michael Walker, like Chris Archer, who is back on the raise, I, you know, those guys aren't elite electric starting pitchers, but I think they're definitely good enough to get through the lineup twice and hand it over to the bullpen with a lead. And then we got to talk about the offense a little bit. Uh, we got our boy, Randy. He looks fully, I mean, he'll be good to go. We know Randy is an electric player. Austin Meadows is fully healthy back at the top of the order. I just, I think this is a good team top to bottom. They won 96 games in 200 in 2019, 2020. They were on 108 win pace, which can't put too much stock into the pace for the 2020 wins, but still this team knows how to win games. I like the pitching staff more than the one in Toronto by a lot. And this team has just done nothing but win in the past. So I'm going to have to agree with you on the over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, it's hard to bet against the Rays. And and with that, we can move on to the Boston Red Sox. Um, the Red Sox have an, have an 80 and a half win total. This is sort of a fall from grace. Uh, they, they had a, a certainly a rough 2020. They made a lot of additions over the off season. They added just sort of a lot of pitcher arms and a lot of utility players. Uh, Garrett Richards, Nick Pavetto, Adam Ottavino, Marwin Gonzalez, Franchi Cordero, Hunter Renfro, and Enrique Hernandez. Um, of course, they basically lost their entire outfield with, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Andrew Benintendi. Um, I'm 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 not going to bear the lead. I'm going to go under, but I, I I'm going to let you go first and sort of explain your reasoning here. Yeah, that entire just electric outfield from 2018 of Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Andrew Benintendi, it's just gone now, which has to be a gut punch for the Red Sox. The outfield is just not as athletic anymore with Hunter Renfro uh, roaming around out there. They've got Kike Hernandez, who's no longer a Dodger, which I guess is a good thing. But, Ben, I'm going to also go under here. Uh, we're going to disagree at some point. I promise that is coming up at some point in the podcast. But this bullpen is hilariously bad. It's just a guy, a lot of guys that are not very good, a lot of guys that you have not heard of. And the rotation, Eduardo Rodriguez is fine. And then after that, it's just a bunch of guys who are like decent number four pitchers at best, except the problem is they're – you know, the number two, the number three pitcher for this rotation. The defense is not going to be very good besides Xander Bogarts at shortstop. I just don't see much hope with this team. Sure, Bogarts, Devers, and J.D. Martinez could be really good in the middle of the lineup, but I don't think that is going to lead to wins. The Blue Jays are better. We like the Rays. We like the Yankees. There are some other teams throughout the American League that I think are just better than this Red Sox team. I think this team is just a stone-cold lock to get exactly fourth place in the American League East. If you can find odds on the Red Sox to get exactly fourth, I would take that. <laughs> this team's going to win 74 games. They're going to go under. And, Dan, uh, I, I know you agree with me, but tell me why. I do not want to meet the bookie that gives you odds for, like, exact placements. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I said I'm taking the under as well. They just don't have the pitching. Garrett Richards is not the fix. I, you know, he hasn't thrown 100 innings in five years. Um, none of Marwin Hunter Renfro or Enrique Hernandez are as good as Andrew Benintendi is probably going to be in 2021. This was, I mean, it was clearly sort of a rebuilding move. Uh, they don't really even have a real center fielder. I mean, they're playing Alex Verdugo out there, who is fine, but is not, you know, a true center fielder. He's he's bad is great. I'm I'm not trying to take it any away from Alex Verdugo, but but the center field defense is he would be better suited for a corner. Um, it's just not Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah, I mean, it's just not Jackie Bradley Jr. The, so the offense, I, I I agree, the offense should be good. I even think J.D. Martinez bounces back, and I think he puts up you know the normal J.D. Martinez like production. It's just not going to translate to wins. There is one thing to keep track of, and that's Chris Sale. I mean, his Cy Young odds are like surprisingly high for the. He's he's only going to be able to play half the season. He should be back in July, like fully stretched out in July and ready to start. But he is coming back from Tommy John, and you never really know how that's going to work. Um, but without Sale, I mean, the pitching staff is just abysmal. And even with Sale, I mean, you you know, you can pencil in one more win a week, and that's just not gonna it's not gonna do it. Yeah, I'm a little worried about Chris Sale. Like, I hope he comes back healthy, but. Even when he comes back, I'm just a little worried he's not going to be the same guy. We knew that slim build with that arm angle throwing 99 miles an hour would probably catch up with him eventually, and it finally did. I'm worried he's not going to be the same guy. If he is, good for him. He's really fun to watch, uh, especially in a Red Sox uniform, but I don't think it'll be enough. And, yeah, I just don't see this team being a 500 team. They were on a 64-win pace last year. They were absolutely terrible in the shortened season. 2019, when they had a lot more good players than they did now, they won 84 games. I just don't think this franchise is trending in the right direction win-wise. I, I don't think they're going to get to 81 wins this year. No, the rebuild is going well, but you you are correct. Just as far as pure wins on the paper, uh, I think it'll take uh, a little while longer. And with that, we can go ahead and move on to the Toronto Blue Jays, whose win total is 87 and a half. They are... Uh, among the highest risers from last year to this year due, you know, mostly to the fact that they signed George Springer and Marcus Simeon in the off season. They also got Kirby Yates, which is just a sad sentence. Now we're recording this, um, the night that the Kirby Yates news broke, he apparently needs some sort of surgery on his UCL. It's unclear if it's Tommy John or not, but if it's UCL surgery, I mean, we know it's pretty serious. Um, I have written here that, uh, I wrote this before we even knew about the Kirby Yates you news i said the bullpen has absolutely nobody in it besides kirby yates which you know if you do the math that would just leave no one in the bullpen i said jordan romano is actually okay i mean if he had to close games he could close games but um yeah i'm gonna go under mostly just because this bullpen is is super scary i mean there's a chance that this blue jays team is basically what the phillies were in this 60 game season where they have a great offense and like even, you know, very good starting pitching and the bullpen just blows half the games in which they have the lead. They lost Anthony Bass and Ken Giles too. I mean, they had three closers and now they have none. No, they don't have any closers. They don't have really any pitchers who I believe in outside of Hinjun Ryu. A lot of stuff is going wrong. I mean, Ben, you mentioned, you mentioned the Kirby Yates thing. In the same tweet, like Robbie Ray fell down some stairs uh, something's wrong with George Springer. He's a little bit dinged up. It just doesn't seem like everything's trending in the right direction. The good news is they're back in Canada. They've got that home field advantage. All their uh, opposing teams will have to go through customs, which is just never fun. 
Um, the pitching is just a real concern here for me. Outside of Hinjun Ryu, who I think has been pitching a little better than he actually is, it's just not a lot of depth. I really, really like the offense. I feel like the Kirby Yates news was just an absolute dagger. I would have really liked for them to bring back Taiwan Walker, and they didn't do that. They lost Jonathan VR, who was a, a guy they had going for him there at the end of the year last year. I think the pitching is the bad pitching is just going to outweigh the really, really fun and exciting offense. I'm going to go under. I wouldn't highly recommend this one. This feels like a stay away to me personally. I, this offense could carry them to 90 wins in a long season. They could just bash their way, especially if guys like Guerrero and uh, Kevin Biggio really step up and hit their full potential. But the, the the pitching staff just scares me too much, so I'm with you on the under. Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to be clear. I don't think this is going to be a bad baseball team by any means, but their line is 87 and a half. I, this team could very easily win 84 games and be super fun and you know have all the fans invested and just not reach the total. So just from from the money perspective, I agree. This is probably a stay away from me. I think they're better than 500, but I don't think that they're an 88 win team. Yeah, no, I agree. And speaking of teams that are just, uh, they might be a really fun team next year. That is just not the Baltimore Orioles by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I apologize to any Baltimore Orioles fans out there. I'm sure you might make up some make-believe reason to be invested in the Orioles this year. The reason I'm going to be invested is this win total is 63 and a half, and I'm going to hammer this under. So that'll have me just watching the slightest amount of Orioles baseball. Um, they're going to be bad. I mean, the bullpen, I'll let Ben touch on the bullpen here in a little bit. It's just a lot of guys you've never heard of. They're going to be a punching bag for the entire league, Ben. I'll, I'll go ahead and let you take it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the under here. I, I think I like them more than you do, actually. Like, I, I could see myself watching some Orioles games this year. I am still taking the under. I want to be very clear about this. But I do think they'll be a little fun. Uh, they have real MLB caliber bats now, which they, they didn't have for the last two years. Trey Mancini is back. That's going to be one of the feel-good stories of the MLB. We drafted him on our fantasy team last year, and then we just redrafted him this year because we actually just really believe in Trey Mancini. Um, Ryan, Mac Ma uh, Ryan Mountcastle is just like a good rookie bat who is going to produce. Austin Hayes is good. Anthony Santander is a real MLB, MLB bat. They have real dudes. And the starting staff has about three real pitchers in it with John Means, Dean Kramer, and Keegan Aiken. But I mean, Aaron mentioned it. I literally couldn't name you an Orioles reliever. If you asked me to name you an Orioles reliever, I, I would just draw a blank. And I didn't look at their the roster before this. I can't name you one, which is crazy because I live and breathe baseball. Yeah, look, Ben knows a lot of random baseball players. And when he says he can't name a reliever for an MLB baseball team, that means there's just some scrubs in this bullpen. And uh, we're going to get to know them by the end of the year because we'll be recommending a lot of DFS plays against the Baltimore Orioles bullpen. Oh, that's not true. Hunter Harvey. I know one. Bang. <laughs> there it yeah. is. I mean, the, the Orioles have a good farm system. Grayson Rodriguez is going to be good. Adley Rushman is going to be good. But they probably won't be up this year. And if they are, it's going to be in August or September. Um, 2022 should be a fun year for the Birds. Until then, uh, I just don't think this team's going to be very good. And the AL East is really good around them. No, I mean, we talked about some teams benefiting from the season being a lot longer. The Orioles are not going to be one of those teams. Like towards the end of the year, there's going to be a lot of teams in the American League that are really locked in fighting for a playoff spot. And they're just not going to mess around when they go into Camden Yards. They're going to go out. They're going to go into Camden Yards with a sweep. And that's just how it's going to be. The last time we saw a full 162 game season 
The Orioles won 54 games. I know that was two years ago, but Ben, I don't see them making a 10-game jump. So I'm going to go under 63 and a half. And yeah, I think we just got to lock that one in, but uh, we'll get to that later. Yeah, so uh, that was that's going to wrap up our, our AL East. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on to the AL Central after a uh, after a brief word from our from our sponsors here. Yeah, and we are back to talk a little bit about the AL Central. Ben, before we get into the first team, I want to list here an interesting note from last year. Is we know the schedule last year, the Central teams only played the Central teams from their own division. And the central teams from the National League, same thing for the West and the East, respectively. But then then we got to the playoffs. There were a lot of central teams in the playoffs. And then we got to the second round of the playoffs, and there were less central teams left. So how do you think – are you impacting that a lot when we're looking at the over-unders in the central division specifically? I I think that the AL Central is fairly legit. At least the top two teams I think are legitimate teams. I, I do think that the NL Central is just bad outside of the Cardinals. So, so there is some impact there, but I, I do think that the AL Central is going to beat up on the, I'm sorry, the top two teams in the AL Central in my mind are going to beat up on the bottom two teams in that AL Central so much that I think it might offset that over 162 games where they get more games against their, against their division. Yeah. I think I pretty much agree with you there. I think I'm, I'm going to factor it in more in the national league because let's start off here with the Chicago White Sox. The total here is 90 and a half and, I mean, that probably seems high to a lot of people out there, but look, I think this team is just legit. They added Lance Lynn, they added Liam Hendricks, and they added Adam Eaton. He's just a gritty, gritty ball player. Um, <laughs> they lost Alex Colome, Dane Dunning, James McCann, and Nomar Mazzara. Uh, ben, I'm going to let you start this one off here. 90 and a half. What are you going here for the Southsiders? Yeah, so what, what's really interesting to me is that uh, Pakota, which is uh, Baseball America's projection system, just absolutely hates the Chicago White Sox. They, that, that projection system thinks that the White Sox are going to win 83 games. Personally, I think that they're a lot like the Blue Jays just dumped into the AL Central, although they actually have a bullpen. Um, like I, and, and I like their pitching more in general. So I, I think that they can beat up on the Royals. I think they can beat up on the Tigers enough to win uh, 90 or 90 or more, really. Uh, and also just, you know, Giolito, Keuchel, and Lance Lynn is better than anything Toronto can throw out. And Toronto has a, has a similar line. Um, I, their back-end starters are fine. Some combination of Dylan Cease, Michael Kobeck, and Carlos Rodon. Uh, and, and, I, and I mentioned it. I mean, the bullpen has three legitimate weapons. They have Garrett Crochet, that the, you know, the 2019, or I'm sorry, the 2020 draft pick who throws 101 miles an hour. Um, they have Aaron Bummer, who's really good, and then obviously Liam Hendricks. So I just think it's a well-rounded team. And the offense, I mean, it's up there with the Yankees. This is just a, a really potent offense, top to bottom, one through nine. Yeah, I'm going to be with you here on the over 90 and a half. One thing I really, really like about this team is they were really hyped up going into last season. They had really high expectations. They were the popular breakout pick. And they actually met those expectations. I like because we we know a lot of times we saw it with the Padres that one year they spent a billion dollars in free agency and then were terrible. The White Sox did the opposite. They were talked about and they actually came through. Now those guys have gotten a lot of experience in big games. They've gotten some playoff experience. They added Lance Lynn. They added Liam Hendricks, two guys that you just really love to have on your pitching staff. I think the young hitters that you mentioned, the lineup is going to be really, really good. They have a nice balance of right-handed bats and left-handed bats. I'm not going to be surprised at all if this team ends up pushing 100 wins. I believe in Giolito. I believe in Lance Lynn. 
Uh, you mentioned Garrett Crochet out of the bullpen, who is really fun to watch. You know, we like all we like most of the bullpen arms they have. Um, I'm going over on this team. I think they're going to push the Yankees for the best team in the American League. And I also want to mention, Ben, this team is a minus 120 to win the Central. I, I think that's good value. A minus to win a division is kind of tough sometimes, especially in a division with the next team we're going to talk about, which is the Twins. But when I look top to bottom, I think the White Sox are clearly the better team than the Twins. I'm, I'm gonna, I like the minus 120. I'm going to take the over, and I, I definitely recommend them winning the division. Yeah, that's. I'm not really. I don't think I'm gonna jump on that. I'm higher on the Twins than you are, but uh, I don't hate it for sure. Um, my, I'm just personally, I'm not gonna take a minus for a team to win a division. But that's 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 just more of a me thing than than anything else. I don't think it's a bad bet by any means. Yeah, I'm with you there. And uh, with that, I I'm ready to let you talk about why you like the Twins this year. Yeah. So so the Twins line is 89 and a half. Uh, looking back to 2019, they won 101 games. On in 2020, they were on a 97 win pace again. Take that 2020 number with a with a lot of grains of salt. Um, in the offseason, they added J.A. Hat, Matt Schumacher, Alex Colomay, Angelton Simmons, and Hansel Robles. Um, they lost Trevor May, Jake Odorizzi, and Eddie Rosario. So um, in my mind, a lot of those additions and, sub- and subtractions sort of even themselves out. Uh, this is sort of the same team that just always wins 90, 95 or more games to me, but now they have Angelton Simmons' defense at shortstop instead of Jorge Polanco, who's going to shift over to second base. I think Simmons like makes a huge difference on your wins at the end of the year when you plug him in at shortstop. Um, Alex Colomay fills in the Trevor May uh, role that, that he has now left since he's now a member of the New York Mets. They have Alex Kirilov, who's a top prospect lefty bat, to plug in for Eddie Rosario, who is a productive lefty bat. Um, I just think this team is built for the regular season. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the division. This is another lineup where like their number eight hitter is Miguel Sano. And that's just like a really scary proposition. They're minus 170 to make the playoffs. So I will say that Vegas more or less agrees with me here. They think that they are going to, you know, be flirting around with this 90 win mark. Um, I can't really decide between the two, like whether I think the Twins or the White Sox are going to win the division. That's why I said I'm going to stay away from that bet that Aaron thinks. But I do think that the Twins go over because of the really strong lineup. They have three like bona fide dudes who could close for any team. And uh, I think the rotation is just good enough. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm actually going to take the under 89.5. It's a hefty number. I think the division could be sneaky competitive, at least more competitive than a lot of people think. I don't know why I'm a little... I mean, I'm just a little worried about this rotation. I think Maeda's been pitching a little bit better than he actually is. I think he was in the National League for his whole career. Then he was in the American League for a shortened season. I think these American League teams are going to get more of a look at him now. Michael Pineda, I think he, I think he could regress a little bit. And when we're talking about regression, I mean, these guys will probably end up making me look like fools for saying this. But, I mean, how many years can Nelson Cruz and Josh Donaldson just keep doing it? I guess maybe they could do it this year too. But I just think there's a lot of regression candidates on this team. Anderson Simmons is really good on defense, but – I think they're going to miss the bat of Eddie Rosario. He's a good spark plug guy. Jake Odorizzi was a really reliable arm that I liked having in that rotation. Uh, you just know he's going to eat up innings and he's going to give you a chance to win. The bullpen is good. I'm not going to give you any argument there. I think this is going to be a very good team. I just feel like for some reason I'm getting a weird vibe from them this year. I'm going to go slightly under, but this is a stay away for me 
And uh, I know Ben likes the over, but yeah, I'm going to go slightly under, but this is a tough call, man. The Twins are tough. I'm definitely not betting on them in the playoffs. I, I appreciate the disagreement. It's always nice to have a to have a healthy discourse. And if nothing else, we can look at it at the end of the year and say, I'm just so much smarter than you. It doesn't happen very often between the two of us that we disagree. So uh, we definitely got to, we got to, you like when it happens. <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure we're about to disagree on this next one, too. So we're going to move on to the Cleveland – wait, I'm sorry. Did they change their name yet? Or, like, can we still call them that, or are they the Cleveland baseball team? I did not think about that. Um, yeah, the Cleveland. The, the Cleveland. The, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Cleveland. Uh, their, their total is set at 81-and-a-half. This is another fall from Grace team. They had 93 wins in, in 2019. They were on a 94-win pace in 2020. Uh, they made the playoffs, snuck in, and then Shane Bieber just got absolutely clobbered by the Yankees. Uh, me and Aaron were all in on the on the Shane Bieber Cy Young train last year. By the way, we called that you know in February, which was just nice, nice for us and nice for the for the baseball sharp reputation. But uh, they had a tumultuous offseason. They traded their you know franchise cornerstone Francisco Lindor. That's just not really what you ever want to see as a fan of a team and they included Carlos Carrasco in the deal which was just crazy just not a throw in (laughs) (laughs) uh they got Andres Jimenez uh Cal Quantrill Ahmed Rosario and Eddie Rosario so Dos Rosarios um they also like that Dos Rosarios you're all in no we're we're definitely calling them that for the entire year That's, that's, that's good uh they also lost Carlos Santana and Brad Hand which are not insignificant losses uh those you know those are both uh, solid players in their own right. Um, because of all these losses, I mean, that's a lot of star power lean- leaving. I'm going under. I think this offense is just going to be, like, anemic and horrible. Uh, it's Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes and then a couple speedy gap power guys, and then there's nothing there. Um, I think that they'll have a chance to win on all of the Bieber and Plezak starts because those dudes are just actual studs, and then maybe some Aaron Savali starts, but I don't expect them to put up any sort of offensive production for the year as a whole. I think James Karinczak is going to be a nice closer for fantasy. Emmanuel Classe should be good when he gets back. The rest of the bullpen is also bad. I mean, you remember last year and the year before and the year before that, Indians' bullpen was like a running joke, and they didn't get anybody else other than Karinczak and Classe. So I just think it's still going to be bad. Um, that being said, I mean, I understand why Aaron's about to say what he's going to say. 81 and a half wins is not a lot. So going under means I just really do not believe in this Cleveland baseball team, and I'll let Aaron go ahead and take, take it away. Yeah, I am going to take the over here, 81 and a half. It just feels a tick low for me. Ben mentioned it, 93 wins in 2019, 94 win pace last year. They lost Lindor, they lost Carrasco, as Ben talked about, but I still just don't hate this team. I think they're sneaky. I don't think they're just going to throw in the towel. I know I know Shane Bieber's an absolute stud. I really believe in Zach Plesak this year. The offense is what it is. I like the addition of um, I like the addition of Eddie Rosario. I think he can fit nicely into that lineup with Jose Ramirez. I think Cesar Hernandez still isn't a bad guy to have lurking in the lineup. I just when I stack up this team compared to some of the other fringe teams in the American League, I like this team more than the Red Sox. I like this team more than the Angels. I still think they're good enough to kind of beat up on the Royals a little bit. I think they're going to beat the crap out of the Tigers, which we'll get to in a little bit later. I just think there's enough wins in this schedule for them to compete for a fringe playoff spot. I'm going to take the over 81 and a half. Injuries scare me a little bit. The team is not deep. The bullpen's not deep. The rotation's not deep. The lineup is just not that good to start with, so therefore it's definitely not deep. 
Injuries scare me a little bit, especially if something happens to Beaver or Plesak, but I'm going to go slightly over 81 and a half just because I do believe in the rotation just a little bit more than you do. Yeah, I mean, I, I the rotation is certainly the strength of that team. It's just I that offense on paper is I can't handle looking at it anymore. I, I What's crazy is I like the offense of the team we're about to talk about next, which I never thought I would say, and that's the Kansas City Royals. I mean, I for years now, the Kansas City Royals offense has just been horrible, but they made some trades this, this year, and when I look at it on paper, I'm like, oh, okay, well, they grabbed Carlos Santana, Carlos Santana they grabbed Andrew Benintendi, and you just plug those into you know a lineup that already had three or four real hitters, and suddenly it's it's fairly deep. Uh, their line is seventy three and a half. In twenty nineteen, they won fifty nine games, and in twenty twenty, they were on a seventy win pace. Um, I'm going to let Aaron go ahead and talk about the Royals first, and then I'll jump in after. Yeah, I just think this is going to be a fun offense to watch. You mentioned it a little bit. Um, they got Alberto Mondesi. Where if you're a hardcore fantasy baseball player, you just know who Alberto Mondesi is. He, uh, he's going to steal a large amount of bases this year. They've got Whit Merrifield, who's just a really good overall player. They added uh, Carlos Santana to give him a nice little calming presence in the middle of that order. Ben attendee bounce back here is always possible. So I think it's just going to be a really fun lineup. Uh, the rotation scares me. Um, the rotation scares me more than a little bit. I think Brady Singer is fun to watch. I think he's got a lot of potential. And I think he'll actually have a pretty decent year. I don't really believe in Mike Miner that much. I think the one good year was a little bit fluky. Not a complete fluke, but I don't think he's going to have that much of a bounce back year from what we saw last year. The bullpen's not very good. Um, and then, look, Ben, this is a 73.5 win total. They get 19 free wins versus the Detroit Tigers, so I'm baking that in. I'm going to go over 73.5. What do you got for me? Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be an anti-Tiger podcast, and I, I apologize for that, but we just really do not like the team on paper this year. Do we actually um, apologize? I mean, I, I don't think we need to apologize. There's probably some Tigers fan listening right now just like, oh, man. I mean, just, just be better. <laughs> just hold your franchise accountable. If you don't like it, send them an email. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going over as well. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I think my tone sort of conveyed it. I, I just think this team's going to be kind of fun. And honestly, it's easy to root for this team going over. Um, the offense now looks like a real MLB offense. It's, I mean, you mentioned it, it's going to be Mondesi at the top, but then Whit Merrifield, Jorge Soler, Hunter Dozier, and Salvador Perez are all like just actual good MLB hitters, which they haven't had in a while. Uh, I'm a little higher on Mike Miner than you are. He was a guy I wanted the Astros to sign as a bounce back candidate spin rate guy, you know, just uh, seemed like he had a, had a tough 2020, but so did a lot of people. I also think the bullpen could be like kind of sneaky good. Uh, Josh Stalmont, they have a bunch of reclamation projects, including Wade Davis and Greg Holland in this just super pitcher-friendly stadium. I think, you know, Wade Davis could definitely just like get his career back on track after that horrible stint in Colorado. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I like this Royals team. It reminds me a little bit of like, you know, the 2013 Royals team before they got real good. Uh I just think they need to find a little bit more pitching, and then you know this could be like a legitimately fun team to root for. Yeah, I think they are going to be fun. Um, Seventy-three and a half. It, I this is not going to be one of our locks, um, but I think they will go over just because they are a tick better than some of the garbage teams in the American League. So with that, uh, I'm ready just to dunk on the Tigers just a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned garbage teams in the American League. <laughs> I feel bad because I like I kind of like the Tigers a little bit, but I hate this iteration of the of the Detroit Tigers. Their their total is sixty eight and a half wins. 
Um, in 2019, they won 47 games. 40, 47 wins. And that is not very many That wins. was a 162-game season, can't confirm. That is just crazy. Uh, last year, they were on a 64-win pace, so they were also bad last year. Uh, they added, like, you know, a lot of names. They, are, they can be adequately described as names. They added Wilson Ramos, who's actually, like, a fine catcher and, and should handle this young staff fairly well. Robbie Grossman, Julio Tehran, Nomar Mazzara, and Jose Urania. Uh, they lost CJ Crone, Austin Romine, and then just a couple useless starting pitchers that I'm not going to bother to name. I'm taking the under. Uh, this is a bad team. I, it's just a bad team. Robbie Grossman is legitimately probably their best hitter. Maybe it's Jonathan Scope, but I mean, we're splitting hairs at that point. Uh, Julio Tehran and Jose Urania were both signed to pitch just well enough to delay the call-ups of all these dudes who actually matter. Franklin Perez, Matt Manning, Bo Burrows, all these like actually interesting starters until the organization is absolutely sure that they're ready. And in the meanwhile, the team is just going to be losing games. Michael Fulmer is currently lost on a desert island somewhere, trying to remember what it felt like to be rookie of the year. He, he's, he was, he's been bad in spring training, and he's been bad for three years. They stole my manager. I miss A.J. Hinch. Their closer can't even throw a strike. And it, well, I'm, I'm starting to get mad. I'm taking the under is what I'm saying. Yeah, Ben, you can uh, go ahead and tell us how you really feel next time. Um, yeah, this lineup is an absolute joke. Any any veteran hitter in this lineup that has a good first half of the season will be traded for a bunch of, you know, not very good prospects. The pitchers have a little bit of potential with uh, Scooble and Casey Mize being top prospects, but those guys got hit around last year, so they're really going to have to bounce back. Um, look, I'm not going to bury the lead here. The Tigers will be uh, featured in our lock segment, and they will be uh, they will be an under. Uh, been this team's cheeks. I'm I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe in Casey Mize, but it's hard to like back the 7.12 ERA or whatever it was he had in the shortened season last year. But but I, I do believe in him. I just I think they might actually like keep him down in AAA for a little while because they signed all these innings eaters. What else are they going to do? Yeah, no, uh, I completely agree. This team is just not going to be fun to watch. Uh, let's just take the under and then just look up in September when they've won you know 48 games and. We can just count our money. And uh, with that, I think uh, we're going to take one more quick break, and then we'll be back after the break to tell you why the Houston Astros are, uh, you know, the best team of all time. All right, we're back, and we get to talk about my beloved Houston Astros. Uh, Aaron mentioned it. They're the best team of all time. We're, we're obviously joking. Um, <laughs> the 2019 Astros, I mean, it was all there. That actually could have been an argument if the the umpire wouldn't have missed the Granky shot. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to get you rolling. I'm not even an Astros fan. I'm just. I felt bad for Granky in the moment. That was a strike. Yeah, that was that was tough. No, I, the, yeah, I'm not going to go on the same spiel. I've gone on all the time about how the 2019 Astros were one of the best teams of all time. But we're not talking about the 2019 Astros. We're talking about the 2021 Astros, who have a team t- who have a win total of 86 and a half. Um, and so again, in 2019, they won 107 games, my lord. And in 2020, you know, it was it was a tough year. They were on a 78 win pace. They were basically a 500 team, limped into the playoffs, still almost made it to the World Series. So they had an eventful offseason. They added Jake Odorizzi, Jason Castro, Pedro Baez, Ryan Stanek, Steve Ciszek. They get Joe Smith back, who opted out from last year, and they get Jordan Alvarez with hopefully some bionic knees after he had double knee surgery from last year. Um, They lost George Springer. That's the huge loss. Roberto Ozuna was out all year last year, but uh, he's now no longer on the team. And they also got rid of Chris Davinsky after just a really bad 2020 uh, campaign. I'm going to let Aaron go first because 
I can't be unbiased, so I'm going to let you try to hear, you know, a, a mostly unbiased Diamondbacks fan's perspective on the Houston Astros. Yeah, so as the only non-Astros fan on this podcast and maybe on the entire Apollo podcast network, you can trust my opinion to be unbiased. Um, and look, I love this over. I really do. I like the experience that the pitchers got last year. It was a really young pitching staff last year. And they ended up just getting a lot of really important innings and a lot of really important games. And for the most part, they came through and they proved themselves to be really good. Their rotation is really, really good. It's really deep, which obviously matters in the 162-game season. Uh, Framberg had the issue with the finger, but it sounds like that's not going to be as bad as initially thought. He'll be back at some point. The rotation's good. The bullpen is very good, very deep. I like Pedro Baez. Um, Joe Smith is back. And then they've still got Ryan Presley shutting the door in the back end. And then, look, Ben, the lineup, I know George Springer is gone, but Jordan Alvarez is back, who um, at this point in their careers, Jordan could easily just be the better hitter and the more all-around hitter. We know Kyle Tucker. Uh, we've seen Kyle Tucker do it now for a couple games, so if he's the player he should be, that's going to be a big addition to this lineup. They've got the rest of the usual suspects in there. Um, I'm going to take this over. I'm going to take them plus 125 to win the AL West, and – been 25 to one to win it all, I think is one of the better values on the board. So uh, with that, I'll let you go ahead and uh, give your slightly more biased take on this team. I, I appreciate it. Mine will also be a little bit more, you know, in depth because I, this is, I sit there and analyze the Houston Astros all day, every day. But um, I, I would argue that the, the roster's one weakness is probably the starting pitching, um, or at least it was before they signed Jaco to Rizzi. Uh, Fromber Valdez going down with the finger might have actually just been a blessing in disguise because they thought he was going to be out for the year. So they went out and panic bought on Jake Rizzi, but then it turns out that his finger's healing and it seems like he'll be back at some point. Um, it, it, let me, let me go ahead and, and run through the, the negatives of the rotation. Zach Granke, Zach Granke is ancient. It could fall off the cliff any day. Now he probably won't because we both love Zach Granke. There's just no way. Uh, Lance McCullers has never really been able to throw more than 150 innings in his career. However, he is two years removed from Tommy John, so and he claims that he needed Tommy John in 2016 and delayed it for two years. So that would kind of explain that. Jake Odorizzi is definitely a solid innings eater, and I'm glad you know that they had that signing. Christian Javier, just a ton of promise, but also has not really ever thrown more than 60 innings and can't really go more than five innings in a start. Jose Kitty is also just a solid number five starter. Their top prospect, Forrest Whitley, had Tommy John surgery. That's pretty big for the depth. They still have Luis Garcia and Brandon Bielak, who both debuted last year, but neither one of those guys are, you know, difference makers. I think Luis Garcia could be. Brandon Bielak is just an is just Odorizzi, you know, diet Odorizzi. Uh, and then maybe they'll have Josh James back. So, I mean, the pitching isn't great. There is a chance that three of these guys just don't work out, and then they're left, you know, competing without the pitches that they need but the offense will still be good they signed veterans to fix that bullpen the bullpen had 12 rookies in it last year it was phillies level bad it was like you know the phillies had that 11 bullpen era last year and the astros were right behind them but since they fixed the bullpen i think they win 90 games and the division i just think the rest of the al west is going to be pretty bad and the astros are going to take advantage of it for maybe one last year one last year before uh before Carlos Correa just rolls into the desert, puts on the Sedona red, and just starts bombing balls into the pool at Chase Field. This is my least favorite joke that you make. Uh, it's just I'm just gonna keep making it until he signs the extension. So you're gonna have to get uh, you're gonna have to get James Click on it if you don't like the joke. I hate it so much. I'll t I'll take Nick Ahmed from you. You think I won't? I mean, I mean, 
just diet, Carlos. No, it's, <laughs> it's well documented. Um, you ready to talk about the Oakland Athletics, or you I, I would be on the Astros for now. No, it's a, I've, I've certainly talked about the Astros enough, and I love talking about the Athletics because I certainly have opinions on the Athletics this year. Well, go ahead and give me uh, some of them opinions then. All right, so the Athletics line is eighty-seven and a half. Um, they also had a tumultuous offseason. Actually, I'll let you go ahead and go through the go through the offseason. But before that, I'm going to say that. They made a trade recently, and I was convinced that they would be a below 500 team before that they made they made this Elvis Andrews trade. But now their roster is at least balanced. I could see them reaching this total that they're at. I'll let you go ahead and go over the trade, and then I'll talk about it. Yeah, another – I'll talk about the acquisitions and the losses for this offseason. Another one that you were really worried about was the bullpen, but I know you felt a lot better as uh, – you and I both felt a lot better after they added Trevor Rosenthal to the bullpen – Elvis Andrews, uh, Mitch Moreland, Sergio Romo is also lurking, still throwing some frisbees in that bullpen. They lost Liam Hendricks, Marcus Simeon, Robbie Grossman, Tommy Lastella, Joaquin Soria, and Chris Davis, who will now have to uh, hit 247 in Arlington if he can get back to doing that. But yeah, man, that is the offseason. There's been a lot of turnover. They won uh, 97 games in 2019. They were on a 97-win pace in 2020. Yet this total is at eighty-seven and a half. Uh, ben, what are you? Where are you going here? I'm, I'm going under. Uh, it's going to sound weird now that you said those those names, but I, I just have to say, losing and then budget replacing. They didn't replace any of these dudes with anybody who's better than them. Losing and budget replacing an MVP caliber shortstop, an all-star closer, a former MVP caliber DH in Chris Davis, your setup man. And then your starting second baseman who hits 290 and Tommy Lastella in in the same offseason. I mean, that's a lot. The only reason why I, why I don't think the team is going to be bad anymore is because they plugged up the holes with Trevor Rosenthal, Sergio Romo. They brought back Yusmero Petit. The bullpen should still be okay. And they have a real shortstop where, you know, it looked like Chad Pinder might be their opening day shortstop a couple weeks ago, which just would have been unfortunate. Still, I'm not sold on anything about this team other than the offense because they have that amazing core in the offense of, you know, Olsen, Loriano, Chapman, uh, Piscotti. I don't know why I included Piscotti in that. Sean Murphy is actually just like a really good catcher. Um, but I'm not sold on anything other than that. Their starting staff is anchored by a 60-game Chris Bassett, who I think is a, is a good pitcher, but maybe not as good as, you know, the 2.2 ERA that he had over those 60 games. Um I just – the team relied on their bullpen so much for the last three years. A lot has to go right. Trevor Rosenthal has to stay healthy for one, which is a tough ask. So, I, I don't know. I just think it's safer to go under with such a high total. So, I'm going to go under on the athletics. Um, I, I, I get the feeling that we don't fully agree on this one, though. Yeah, and I mean, I think you said the magic words. You said a lot has to go right. And when I look at the Oakland athletics over the last couple of years – Things just always seem to go right. It just happens. They're kind of like the Rays, except they're located in Oakland, uh, just where it's the worst baseball stadium of all time. But they're like the Rays, where they just kind of find a way to win games. Bob Melvin is just a good manager. If managers matter, uh, Bob Melvin would be the poster boy for that. I think they salvaged the bullpen situation pretty well with uh, the addition of Trevor Rosenthal. Hopefully he can stay healthy. We don't know if that'll be able to happen over a 162-game season, but if he does, I think the bullpen will still be good. I believe in Chris Bassett a little bit more than you do. I'm not going to give up on a Jesus Lazardo by any means. He's going to be pretty good. They still have the core of the lineup with Matt Chapman, Olsen, and Loriano. 
They have uh, good platoon options for corner outfield spots and the DH. They've got Mitch Moreland now who, I mean, he's just a typical guy to roll, roll into Oakland and just hit 35 homers and have a pretty good year. I think this team is just going to find a way to go over. They've been 97 wins the past two years. I don't think it's a 10-win drop-off. I think they're going to be better than the Mariners. I think they're going to be better than the Angels. They're going to be way better than the Rangers. I think this team is going to compete for a playoff spot yet again. So, uh, yeah, we're going to disagree here, and uh, I'm going to go over, but we'll just have to sit back and see how it works out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I ragged on him a little bit. I do really like Jesus Lazardo. I think A.J. Puck could still be very good. I just, you know, we haven't seen enough of A.J. Puck for me to buy in at all because he was hurt for all last year. But um, there, there, there's a I, I don't like Sean Manet. I think Sean Manet is just a bad pitcher. But, I mean, there's a chance that they have, like, four real starters and they and they win 92 games. I'm just kind of betting against that. You hate Sean Manet. To say you don't like Sean Manet is you are just the anti-Sean Manet guy. And I'm not even arguing. I just want to point out that – it's not just like a casual. Oh, I don't like Chamonix. Like you just, you just don't like him. He has the worst hard hit percentage that I've ever seen. And then they rolled him out there in a wild card game, and Yandy Diaz hit two home runs on him, off of him, and everybody was surprised. I was like, yeah, he gets smoked by decent righty hitters. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, not you triggered me. <laughs> we apologize to the Manaya family uh, <laughs> and all the Manaya truthers out there. But uh, yeah, so we're going to disagree here on Oakland. Um, are you ready to move on to uh, to a pretty fun team this year? Yeah, so so we're going to talk about the Seattle Mariners next. Uh, their total is 72 and a half wins. I love this team. Like I think this team's just like actually fun to watch. We have a we have a very close Mariners friend, uh, Kyle Wellman, friend of the program. Um and so we're going to be watching a lot of Mariners games with him this year, I'm sure. And uh, I really liked all the moves that they made this offseason. They they added James Paxton. They they added Chris Flexen to be sort of like a weird six-man six starter. They're going to they're going to have a six-man rotation apparently. Rafael Montero is the new closer. They got Keenan Middleton, and they get Mitch Hanniger back after he uh, suffered just a tragic testicular accident in in 2019. That was that was tough. Just but anyway, you hate to see. Yeah, but anyway, so the Mariners are 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 up next, and I, I love the over personally. But I'll, I'll let Aaron go ahead and, and go for it first. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take the over here at 72 and a half. I think this team is uh, ready to compete for the most part. The offense is ready to take the step from promising to I think this offense is actually going to be pretty good. Uh, ben mentioned that Mitch Hanniger is uh, healthy. He's back. Kyle Lewis, who, uh, look, Ben called for Rookie of the Year last year. Not going to let that one slide. Uh, damn, damn right I did. Yeah, he called it, and now he's got a year under his belt, or at least, you know, kind of a year under his belt. Uh, they've got Dylan Moore, who's an exciting second baseman. Kyle Seeger is still there just doing Kyle Seeger things. Ty France, uh you know, I'm not going to go all in on Ty France, but he is lighting the world on fire in spring training, and he might do some good things this year. The rotation is, you know, not terrible anymore. Marco Gonzalez is good. James Paxton is back. And they've got some guys in the back end that, you know, have a chance to be pretty solid. The bullpen's going to be terrible, but, you know, we're, we're not asking for 90 wins. We're asking for 73. And I think you can still win 73 games with a bad bullpen, especially if you have a good offense and – look, we just believe in this offense. So yeah, those are the reasons that I really like this over. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, specific pieces of this offense. Uh, Mitch Hanniger is averaging a one, a one thirty weighted runs created plus in his two full seasons. Kyle Lewis won one rookie of the year. Dylan Moore emerged last year as like a legitimate offensive threat who can steal bases as well. Tom Murphy put up an eight fifty OPS in 2019 as their catcher. Uh, I mean, they just the offense is going to be super solid, and and I agree that the bullpen will be bad, but it, it's only going to take you know Rafael Montero and Joey Gerber 
to to emerge as like as like serious relievers, which they could definitely do. Rafael Montero was actually good last year for the Rangers. Um, I, I just can't take the bullpen seriously if your second best reliever is named after like baby food. <laughs> Joey Joey Gerber might be like legitimately good, but you you do have a point. Anyways, I I expect this team to just like be okay and fun to watch, and you know maybe win eighty games. Um, which is just which would blow this this team total out of the water. So this is actually this might be my favorite uh, total on the board in its entirety. I'm I, I love this over. Yeah, so I uh, go in as some people would say, I guess, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on here to a team that I am just a lot less fond of. That's gonna be the Los Angeles Angels. Their total is at 83 and a half. Uh, 2019, 72 wins. 2020, 70 win pace for the Los Angeles Angels. They added Rysel Iglesias to the bullpen. They added Dexter Fowler, who's still out there doing baseball things. Um, Alex Cobb, Jose Quintana, Kurt Suzuki, and Jose Iglesias. But um, they also lost Hansel Robles, Jason Castro, Jemai Jones, No Ramirez, Andrelton Simmons, and Julio Tejeron, who will go uh, give up homers to lefties elsewhere. Ben, it was an active offseason. Not many great players going in and out, with the exception of maybe Rysel Iglesias. Um, 83 and a half, Ben. What are we thinking here? Yeah, it just seems like way too high. Also, there's there's two Iglesiases on this team. We would have Dos Iglesias as well. Yeah, and I mean, just to be clear, that means two in English. Uh, <laughs> two two Iglesi. That's that's pretty good. I, except I don't want to give him the nickname because I just I don't like this roster construction. No, Dos Rosarios is just way better. <laughs> I like But uh yeah, it's just 83 and a half feels like a lot for a team that won 72 games in 2019 and it's essentially the exact same team. Um, they, uh, you know, you, you sort of went over it. They added a lot of guys. They lost a lot of guys. Every addition is accompanied by a subtraction. Jose Iglesias. Oh, he's just a worse Anderson Simmons. Rysel Iglesias. He's good, but so is Hansel Robles for, for in 2019. Uh, Jose Quintana. Well, he just takes the Julio Tehran role. Chris Suzuki takes the Jason Castro role. They, they're just cycling parts in. And, and not really getting any better. The only way that this team adds the 14 wins that they need to is if Shohei Otani stays healthy for all 162 games, which is tough. Dylan Bundy repeat, repeats his breakout year in the shortened season, which actually might happen. I like Dylan Bundy. And then, but still, one of Griffin Canning, Alex Cobb, uh, Jose Quintana, one of them has to overachieve. And while that's all possible, I'm going to bet against it. Also, as the last thing I'm going to say about the Angels, Joe Adele, cannot physically feel the baseball i'm i have no clue how he just forgot how to play right field i i think he's blind i don't know what's going on there was a spring training game david peralta hit a ground ball to right field joe adele went down to field it just went right through the wickets uh you hate to see that at the major league level especially from a top prospect uh look ben i'm gonna agree with you here on the under the angels are my brewers of the american league in the sense that their existence and strategy to be good just makes me irrationally mad. Um, if you want to win games in the professional baseball league, you need to have good pitchers on your baseball team. The Angels never make an effort to have good pitchers on their baseball team. It doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to buy into Otani uh, in a 162-game season, especially as a pitcher, which is where they need him. The offense will be fine. The offense is usually fine. But, I mean, this is just a slam dunk under the Angels irk me. They always underachieve. Uh, I just – I feel bad for the big fish. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, I, the lineup is like is like legitimately scary. I mean, when you're looking at David Fletcher and Rendon and Trout and Otani and you know just all those guys, but I mean, I I just have no confidence in the starting rotation and the bullpen is bad outside of Rysel Iglesias. Who do they have except for it's like Ty Buttry? No, it's bad. I mean, I would be fine taking the over at like 75 with a team with a really good offense and no pitching staff. But when we're talking about 83 and a half wins, I just think you need pitching to get into the 85 win range and they just don't have it. I mean, Otani would have to stay healthy as a pitcher for the entire year. And even then when he's healthy, he's really struggled to throw strikes. I just don't see it. I mean, I also like Dylan Bundy, but I mean, I think Dylan Bundy and Rice Iglesias are the only pitchers on this entire staff that I believe in. I, I can't get there with the Angels. I, I actually really, really like this under. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Blue Jays are going to win 84 games, and I think the Blue Jays have a better rotation than the Angels do. Like, I mean, that, that just says a lot. Yeah, and I mean, that's with Robbie Ray just stumbling downstairs, not drinking milk. I mean, who knows what's going on there. But, yeah, no, I actually would take the Blue Jays' pitching situation over the Angels as well. It, yeah, man, the Angels just – they're the brewers of the American League, but, like, with even less – playoff success <laughs> oh man <laughs> that i don't know why that just hit different yeah no i mean they just don't even make the playoffs but i mean i just i said it before man free mike trout free the big fish all right well we're gonna move on to the warning to the west team um and that's gonna be the texas rangers <laughs> you, you remember that post with with the th- with lance lynn and mike minor and court clue we're all just like looking at the camera and then None of them were good. Well, actually, Lance Lynn was good, but he got traded. Yeah, now they just all evaporated. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you were talking about a post with the Rangers, I, I thought you were going to talk about Globe Death Field here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So the the by the way, the Rangers are allowing a hundred percent capacity in their uh, in their stadium. So I, I I said that they should just change the the name from Globe Life Field to Globe Death Field. It's just an ironic field name now. But uh, yeah, anyone going to Rangers games this year, just be safe out there. Uh, but you know, all, all jokes aside, their uh, their team total is sixty seven and a half, which is low. Um, in twenty nineteen, they won seventy eight wins, and on in twenty twenty, they were on a fifty nine win pace, which is just really bad. Um, they also sort of made a flurry of moves in the offseason. None of them are amounting to a whole you know heck of a lot. They have Mike Fultonevich, they got David Dahl, they traded for Nate Lau, who actually is probably going to be their starting first baseman. They traded for Chris Davis. They signed the. Uh, the Japanese pitcher Kohei Arihara. They traded for Dane Dunning for Lance Lynn. Um, they also lost Elvis Andrews, Mike Miner, and Shinsu Chu, who went back to uh, who went back to Japan. So uh, Shinsu Chu had a really nice MLB career. I hope he's I hope he's remembered adequately in the Hall of Very Good. Just gets hit by a lot of pitches. Got on base a lot. Just a just a good overall player. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is even like a question. Sixty seven and a half is like a pretty high total. We thought that the Tigers were, I mean, it's a low total in the grand scheme of things. It's a high total for this team. We thought the Tigers were slam dunk and they were at 68. So I'm going under this team is going to be completely terrible. The offense, like the offense might be okay, or at least, at least it might've been okay, but they now play in like the most pitcher friendly park of all time with the roof closed. Um, And Kyle Gibson is your opening day starter. So it's just not a recipe for success. For me, like Mike Fultonevich, you're hoping that he emerges as your ace, and that's just not a position you ever want to be in. So I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take the under. I mean, they are clearly the worst team in their division. And look, they were on a 59-win pace last year, 
and they lost their ace and they lost their shortstop. So I don't see them being eight wins better pace-wise as far as they were last year, even though it was a shortened season. This team is just bad. I mean, I think they're not going to be fun to watch. They've just got a lot of guys that aren't exciting, not too much potential there down in Arlington. Um, I just do yourselves a favor, take the under on the Rangers, take the under on the Tigers, and then just don't watch any of their games. Sounds like a recipe for a fun baseball season to me. Um, I just don't have too much left to say about the Rangers. The pitching is not good. The lineup's not good. They're just just—they're clearly the worst team in their division. I don't like the Rangers this year at all, and I'm going to try my best to uh, tune in to very little Rangers games. No, I mean that's 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 perfectly understandable to me. Um, if you uh, if you want to stick around for for our our locks, our AL locks, we're going to go over that after this commercial break. We're also going to go over a bunch of futures bets that we think are the best value on the board, <clears throat> and uh, go over the playoff picture that we think it's going to end up looking like. So stick around for that. We'll be we'll be right back. And we are back on the Cash Landing Podcast. And uh, Ben, we did it. We just talked about 15 teams in the American League. We gave out over-under picks for all 15 of them. But uh, Ben, this is where we really need to put our money where our mouth is. The people aren't going to bet all 15 of our picks. We got we to gotta get specific here. We got to talk about which ones we really like the most. And uh, Ben, I'm going to let you start us off here. What are your locks for this season? absolute locks no doubt about them I've got four of them I've got the Astros over I know you and I both love it I'm a homer but you are actually objective and you love it too so I'm so validated I've got the Yankees over I know it's a high total but they always hit it I've got the Tigers under that team is horrible and is going to be horrible and I've got the Red Sox under that team does not have the pitching to compete in a very competitive AL East with a lot of good offenses yeah, I absolutely love those. I got to ask you, uh, when we were going through the podcast, you said you absolutely love the M's over. Is is that not a lock for you? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Mariners over is definitely an, another lock. I, I just I must have just forgot to, to write it down. So I actually have five. All right. Go ahead and add the Mariners over to that one. All right. So those are Ben's five locks. I also have five locks. Um, I'm going to take the Chicago White Sox over. Lock that one in. I'm going to agree with the Houston Astros. That is a lock over. Los Angeles Angels under their win total. That is a lock. Uh, Detroit Tigers under by a million. And then uh, the Texas Rangers, who we just talked about. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is there. I'm going to take the under. So uh, those are going to be my five locks. And uh, Ben, we're going to do a recap, uh, maybe on our Twitter. Maybe we'll just do a whole podcast about our recap. And it's just going to be us gloating about going 10-0 and on our locks. And it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, every time. It, it never fails. No, it just has never gone wrong. And uh, with that, Ben, let's talk about some more player-specific bets, uh, some futures in the American League. This is going to be using Bovada odds. Uh, shop around, get the best value you can on these numbers. But, uh, Ben, I'll go ahead and let you talk about some of the other bets you like throughout the American League. Yeah, I mean, this is, so this is where you can really make your money. I mean, if you if you – if you pick right, I mean, you can get some some plus three thousand odds, some plus five thousand odds. Yeah, a la uh, Shane Bieber and Kyle Lewis. If you uh, liked the podcast last year, yeah, I mean, I was about to say, I mean, he, we were we were not beating around the bush. Aaron legitimately had Shane Bieber as his Cy Young pick before, like Shane Bieber was Shane Bieber, and I was sure that Kyle Lewis was going to be better than Luis Robert, which he ended up being, although it was actually closer than I thought it would be at the buzzer. Yeah. It took Luis Robert not being able to hit the broadside of a barn for the last two months of the season. Um, 
but th- this is where you can make a lot of money if you were if you were like a real baseball sharp who just wants to plug in you know a couple long shot bets. Um, I have a much more clearly defined betting strategy for the National League this year, just because I think that um, the odds are much more like tailored to to the way that I like to bet. Uh, I will say in the American League, also we'll start with Cy Young if if, if you want to start there. Um, I think that there's nothing wrong with taking a shot on Cole or Bieber. I think it's actually going to be one of them too because this season is so weird that you need to be a, an absolute workhorse of a starting pitcher to like even reach the innings requirements. I don't know how many pitchers are going to throw 162 innings this year, honestly. I think Cole and Bieber are going to be two of them. Um, the only people I might sprinkle in to, to get to get odds for are going to be Zach Plesak at plus 5,000 uh, and Lance McCullough Jr. at plus 5,000 as well. The reason I say Lance is because suddenly he has a slider. He just developed a slider all of a sudden. He's also two years removed from the Tommy John rehab, which is like a big narrative, and we are a narratives podcast. Once you're two years removed, you're you're supposed to be good to go. So I wouldn't hate a Chris Bassett or a Dylan Bundy dart throw, but uh, I'm not going to recommend them specifically. Yeah, as far as a Cy Young goes for me, I'm going to back you on Zach Plesak. Uh Look, is Zach Plesak going to win the Cy Young? Probably not, but we're talking about 50 to 1, and I think we could look up, and he's going to be top five in the voting. So that just feels like really good value. Um, as far as my realistic pick, I'm going to go with the Shane Bieber uh, repeat. I don't think it's value at all. I mean, his odds are like plus 425 or something like that. The odds aren't great, but I do think it's an advantage that only the central team saw him last year. Look, I mean, if you're going to worry about the one game sample size against the Yankees, that is just silly. Um, I think it's an advantage, but not the uh, not. I think it's an advantage that the other teams did not see him last year. So I believe on I believe in Shane Bieber. So I'm going to back the uh, the Cleveland Indians pitching staff there from a Cy Young perspective. Yeah, and I mean you know like you can you could probably make the same argument for Giolito, but I just think Shane Bieber is so much better of a pitcher, honestly. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I wouldn't hate Cole. I wouldn't hate Bieber. Cole is plus 400 and Bieber is plus 425. It's the same odds. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't think AL Cy Young is really where you're going to make a ton of money. MVP, you could make some money. It's really hard to accurately predict the MVP though. You have a much better chance of doing Cy Young's. Um, Mike Trout is, is the front runner by a lot at plus 250. There is no value there. I, there is no amount of money where I would put it on Mike Trout. Um, at plus 250 I'll say Matt Chapman and is probably my favorite call that I know that Aaron's not going to talk about uh I just a combination of if he plays 162 games his defensive metrics are going to be insane I think people are starting to pay more attention to those um and you know if Oakland is good and Matt Chapman leads them leads them that way then I think that he could definitely win MVP and his, his odds are are fine yeah, no, I definitely like the Chapman call as far as value goes. Um, my two favorite MVP odds on the board, which I agree with Ben MVP, is just tough to call. Um, DJ LeMayhew, 25 to 1, best overall hitter uh, for likely one of the best teams in the American League. I think the power's still going to be there. He's got a very good shot to hit like 350 and lead the entire MLB in batting average. Combine that with the RBIs, the potential for home runs. He still plays a really good second base. Um, I think Lemayhew's good value at twenty-five to one, and then uh, I'll take a shot on Xander Bogarts at thirty-three to one. Look, I don't think the Red Sox can be very good, but in baseball, the team does not have to be good for you to win the MVP. I think Bogarts is just a really, really solid hitter. It's Fenway Park, which we know is hitter friendly. I think he's going to have just uh, a little bit more protection in the lineup with a bounce back year from JD Martinez. Uh, Rafael Devers is still there to give him a little bit of protection. 
I think Bogarts is still young enough to where he could still be getting better. I'm not sure we've seen the peak yet. So I don't hate 33 to one. So those would be two of my, uh, my dart throws for American league MVP. Yeah. I, I, I have no problem with those. Um, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate a Bregman pick either, but he is, he's like plus 1100, which is just not, I mean, the odds just aren't there. Um, it's just, it's weird, but, uh, Moving on from MVP, I am sort of the, the resident prospect dude. I write a lot about prospects, so I'm going to talk about AO Rookie of the Year. I have a very clear idea of the National League Rookie of the Year. I have less of a clear idea on the AO Rookie of the Year, but just going based on values alone, I think Bobby Dahlbeck at plus 2,500 is actually the best value on the board. He's going to be playing opening day. He's going to accumulate all the counting stats he wants. He's going to be hitting for power in a very good offense with the Red Sox. Um I, I just think it's the best value. I think, you know, there's a good chance you look up at the end of the year and he has 35 home runs and 100 RBIs, and you're like, well, how are you not going to give this guy the rookie of the year? Um, especially when you compare him to somebody like Jared Kelnick, who might end up being the better player, but he's going to come up in July. I mean, there's just no way you're going to give that guy the rookie of the year. Um, obviously, Randy Rosarano, plus 400. He's a safe play. I'm not going to do it because I, I wouldn't really be making any money anyways if I, you know, there's just – a plus 400 is not enough for a for a single player futures bet. Um, Ryan Mountcastle and Dane Dunning are also good value picks. Mountcastle is plus 1800. He's just a really mature hitter. Could be 300 with power. And Dane Dunning just has the raw stuff to to be an actual ace. Um, so I mean, those are those are the only AL Rookie of the Year things that that I'm that I'm really looking at. Probably Dahlbeck, Mountcastle, and Dunning. And I I might only put my own money on on Bobby Dahlbeck. Yep, I uh, think those are all fair. You're definitely the rookie guy, so I'm just going to let you take that there. Uh, the one more bet that I will throw out there, Luke Voigt, 30-1 to 1 to uh, lead the entire MLB in home runs. I don't hate that. We know about the ballpark. We know they're just going to have to pitch to Luke Voigt. Um, he's done a better job of staying healthy than Judge and Stanton have in the past. I think he's just a really powerful hitter. So I don't mind taking a stab on Luke Voigt and uh, – and unless you have any other future bets you want to talk about, I'm ready to give out our playoff teams and then wrap this thing up. Yeah, no, we can, we can go and move on to the playoff teams. I got nothing. Yeah. All right. So uh, this is going to be our official playoff predictions for the American League. Uh, I'm going to pick the Houston Astros to win the West, the Chicago White Sox to win the Central, the New York Yankees to win the American League East, and then my wild card matchup is going to be the rematch from a couple of years ago. I'm going to go Rays versus Athletics. I know it's not many hot takes, but uh, I think that's just how it's going to work out. I think the Blue Jays are going to be – I think the Blue Jays and the Twins are going to be uh, fighting for spots, but they're going to fall just short, and that's those are the five teams I've got. Yeah, I mean, I don't have very many hot takes either. I got the same setup as you all the way down to the second wild card spot. I'm just going to slide the Twins in there instead of the Athletics. I think that the A's fall a little short, and the Mariners – I think that the Mariners, Athletics, and Angels are going to be all sort of, you know – around the same win total maybe within two wins of each other um but yeah I, I don't have a super hot take there either I, I wish I did yeah no I mean I think that's just how it's going to work out uh we gave out our locks uh thank you guys for listening to another episode of the cash Lenny podcast it feels good to be back we are ready for opening day um we are going to be recording our National League podcast tomorrow night so we'll uh, we'll be providing more content for you for all the National League fans out there Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at the Cash Landing Pod. We really want to interact with you guys on Twitter this year. Um, slide into the DMs, uh, send us bets. We'll be tweeting out bets. We'll be tweeting out DFS stuff throughout the entire year. Um, 
we're kind of hot on the sticks on the March Madness bets right now. So uh, follow us on Twitter for some March Madness winners this weekend. Yeah, a little bit. What are we? We're twelve and twelve and seven. Something we are like that? twelve and seven with uh, March Madness spread bets. So that's just nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, that's 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 free money right there, as they as they like to as they like to say. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, we would just say uh, if you really like the podcast, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Give us five stars. You can even leave us a review if you really are feeling generous. Uh, check out all the other great podcasts on the Apollo Podcast Network. And uh, with that, Ben, I think we're ready to get out of here. Couldn't have said it better myself. We will see you guys in the next one.